clubhouse. I love that you instantly get feedback. I know that a lot of people, you know, are scared of that, but whether you like it or not, it's the worst thing when you make something and it's just radio silence. Part inspiration, part education, the whole artist with Courtney Rue, be your best you. Hey, thanks for listening to The Whole Artist with Courtney Rue. I'm Courtney Rue, and today I'm super excited to share an interview with Sean Ely. Sean creates so much content, and it's definitely served him well in terms of getting an agent, getting commercial contracts, joining the union, because people love the stuff he creates. And I wanted to introduce you to him because he's really fun, and I hope he inspires you to go out there and create some shit while we're in quarantine. Sean is a Chicago-based actor, sketch comedian, and travel videographer. His daily comedy web series, Number Six with Cheese, takes a satirical and unnecessary dive into the world of new fast food menu items and has amassed 30,000 subscribers since 2016 alongside comedian Corey Wagner. They've partnered with brands such as Uber Eats, Arby's, AT&T, and Google. And this year, they even launched their own original hot sauce, Sixer Sauce, the perfect drive through condiment, which ships anywhere nationwide. I've bought three bottles of it. It's amazing. Tastes like barbecue and buttery and... Is not too hot, goes really good on breakfast foods. I digress. Sean is a graduate of the Second City Training Center and regularly performs at the Second City, the Annoyance Theater, and Playground Theater. His voice can also be heard in ad campaigns for Checkers and Rallies, Planet Fitness, and Root Car Insurance. He's also the co-host of the Unemployables podcast, all about leaving corporate America, living efficiently, and turning your true passions into a career, with new episodes every Monday. And today, this Monday, he's dropping an episode with an interview of me on the Unemployables as I am dropping an episode of him on The Whole Artist. We talk about my career as an actor, as a union activist, and also my connection with a serial killer. So, cool, cool, cool. Follow Sean at at the Sean Wow on Instagram and Twitter. And catch new episodes of Number Six with Cheese at youtube.com slash number six with cheese. But... Before we get to the interview with Sean, I want to take a quick moment to remind you, if you're a union member or you know someone in the union, remind them to vote yes for the new TV theatrical contract. You can check out some resources, FAQs, and even vote at sagaftra.org slash contracts 2020. If you have any questions, you want to know why I'm voting yes, feel free to hit me up on my website or my Instagram. Votes must be received by 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesday, July 22nd. And while you're at it, go ahead and vote in November's election for our country, if you're an American. And on that note, here's Sean Ely. Hey, Sean Ely. Oh, hey there. Hey. How's it going, Courtney Rue? Oh, it's going great. How are you? Doing very well today. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on because you are so prolific in the content that you create, and it's just really inspiring. You are one of the inspirations for this podcast. I want you to know that. Oh, and my like, gosh. When did you start making your own content, and what inspired you to do that? Oh my gosh. Um, well, yeah, first of all, thank you so much for letting me do this. This is awesome. And I was, it was so fun texting with you kind of in the early stages of you wanting to do this. So seeing it all happen is very awesome. Yay. Yeah. Making content for myself. It's funny. It was pretty much from like the get go of being able to do it on the internet. Like I was making sketch videos and, you know, having fun with my friends with a video camera since like sixth grade. And, you know, it, <laughs> I still have my 
recording software, which was quite literally just a like Fisher Price tape recorder with a microphone on it that I Amazing. legitimately have like three feet away from me right now. <laughs> okay. um, and I used to just do like little fake radio shows, like little fake podcasts back in. You that know, does not surprise me. Yeah, 1999. And <laughs> would just show them to my friends and my dad and stuff. And my dad had a cool like little setup in the basement of our house in Redford, Michigan with like big speakers. And he would do his his fake little radio show and you call it WRJE, which was like his initials and stuff. <laughs> um, so I've been doing that That's forever. Awesome. Like that, I grew up doing that with my family. So we did a lot of sketches. Like I have home movies of us doing this. Like we call it the iconic sketch of, it was called Baby in the Box. And it was like quite Ooh, literally. I my, have to see this. Yeah. It was quite literally like my brother and I as actors in it, like being shipped to my dad as a baby in a box. And then he accidentally <laughs> got like a seven year old instead of the little baby, like my little brother. So this like, is the plot of Storks. I don't, I don't I'm know pretty you know. sure this is the plot of Storks. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I mean, literally since I was that young, I was creating, but I didn't start posting until like YouTube surfaced in like 2005. When did you realize you could actually monetize content creation and, and have like a following and stuff like that? When YouTube first started, I was enamored by everything about it. Like I was obsessed. I would watch like Grace Helbig, who is still is like a YouTube legend now, but literally would do like vlogs in her like apartment. She was just like literally, literally living in New York and just doing like funny vlogs. I would watch Dave Days, which was like he was making like obsession videos about Miley Cyrus when like Hannah Montana was really big. And so, <laughs> so I would like watch these people and I would like read about how they were like making money from posting their videos, but you know they had millions of subscribers it felt like really early on so i just always felt like a little small like just kid watching this stuff happen like yeah but um i started posting just like personal rant videos and vlogs and fun stuff just like things i thought were funny before i was ever like a comedian or a comic actor or whatever when did you start going to Second City and getting into comedy? Yeah, so I did improv in college at Michigan State, but I had been posting videos in college, like just on my personal YouTube channel, but not making any money. Like I think back then it was kind of similar to it as now where you can post videos and if you hit the $100 threshold of like people putting ads on your videos at YouTube, and if enough people click on them, enough people watch them, like it slowly but surely adds up to $100, but that would happen like once every nine months, 12 months maybe it like yeah. wasn't actual money it just kind of felt like fake monopoly money like bonus mm -hmm. so I was doing improv in college and then you know did improv after but once I was performing live I kind of I was still in the like I'm making content for other people I was working for newspapers I was working for ad agencies I was working for brands but it was never like my story it was me telling somebody else's story right you were making money for other people exactly and I hated that I yeah. hated it so I even when I loved a project Same. I worked on I was so mad that I was just getting my normal two-week salary and like <laughs> this this ad campaign that was for $250,000 like none of that mattered for me you know yeah yeah so that was hard. So you started doing improv in college. And then did you realize that you wanted to do that for a living? The thing that worked out really well for me was because I was in college when YouTube was like getting big, like it was the, that was, you know, it was like Google bought it. It was becoming like the thing. It worked really well where if I was getting into improv and meeting actors and sketches and doing sketches, if you could be behind the camera 
and you could do both that I just saw an endless amount of possibilities for those two things. Yeah. So I kept trying to get better and better with a camera, like self-taught so that I could record everything that me and my little sketch group were doing, you know? And then I want to fast forward. So you've been making these videos and you've been making a little bit of money. Then is it like you met Corey Wagner at improv class and you guys started working together and did number six with cheese kind of put you over the edge in that way? Or did it happen before you met Corey and before you started doing number six with cheese? Yeah. So it was before Corey. So after college, I was like working in ad agencies and like learning video. And there was this company called IWearYourShirt.com that was hiring independent contractors, just four people from around the country to literally make vlog videos about their lives, wearing the t-shirt of a different brand every <laughs> single day. So like Shopify would be on Monday and then I would Tuesday, take that shirt off on two. And then the next day I would make a video all about like Gogurt, you know, things like that. So companies were buying like slots on my calendar because I got the job. Let's just fast forward. I got the job. I I made a cool video. I got the job. I was super psyched. So that was in 2012. So that was kind of like the oh shit moment of like, I have to make a video every single day professionally out of my apartment for these brands. So that was kind of like, I slept probably in 2012, three hours a night. I was teaching myself YouTube and video at like such a higher capacity. In Q1 of 2012, like I seriously didn't sleep. I just made videos and and then just learned editing even more. Because did you have another job besides that? Or was that your only job? I was working for a marketing company in Detroit. And I ended up leaving that job when I got the I Wear Your Shirt job so that I could like go like balls to the wall on making videos for this company. That taught me, because I went to school for journalism, so that was the perfect blend of the daily deadlines. I loved that. That's why journalism was so like, I love it so much is you work your butt off on a story, you publish it, blank slate, go again. So that's basically what I Wear Your Shirt was. It was like, make an awesome video, upload it, go to bed, wake up, do it again. Yeah. Right now I'm doing a bunch of self-tapes for class and for this self-tape May contest. And just putting yourself on tape that often, like I'm supposed to do 16 self-tapes, you get really good at doing it. It's just reps. It's incredible. Yeah. The amount yeah. that you learn, you don't even realize it. Like going back probably for you and looking at that first self-tape, you're like, even just in that short amount of time, it's incredible how much you learn that you totally. don't even realize it. That's just like kind of what I really clung to with video is I loved that I could you know, work with, for a company where I could just keep doing new stuff all the time. Um, so I left my, you know, the media job and did that. And then I actually got asked to move to Jacksonville, Florida, which is where the CEO of the company lived. And he kind of wanted to oh, bring wow. me in as like really one of the like top dogs. Like he wanted me to be a part of the actual whole brand rather than just as a shirt wearer. So we kind of like were you know, living and working pretty much in the same quarters. Like I was going to his like home office every day to like make videos and to see where the company was going to go. So I was like addicted to this, like, oh my God, we're having the most fun making these videos and and having a blast and working for huge companies and getting paid to do it. So it really opened my eyes to, you know, like I want to do this type of a thing for a very long time. And that's what I ended up doing for like years in Florida before I moved to Chicago. So that's kind of how I got here was once that kind of like started to plateau a little bit, I moved here because I got a job with Red Eye, which is at the Chicago Tribune. It's like for more millennial based people. I got hired as the first like head of video, like the the director of videography for Red Eye. So I got to then come here and do daily videos for a huge brand, which Tribune's huge, you know? Yeah. So that's what I was doing for years. 
And on the side of that, were you taking classes? Yeah. So what that was obviously, as you probably know, like when I came here, I was like, well, I'm in Chicago now. Time to like hit the ground running hard. So, you know, auditioned at Second City, auditioned at IO, started taking classes at Annoyance. Like I just did all of it right away. And then, you know, became so obsessed with improv and sketch. And I mean, the people you meet in this community and how like inspiring they are, I couldn't even think about going to like a nine to five job anymore. So the Tribune offered buyouts voluntary buyouts to anybody that wanted to take them. And they do that like every year or two because it's so hard to like. Because journalism is dead. It's very hard. So so I took one, I took like a buyout at the age 27 or whatever. And I've been self-employed since that. And it's coming, it'll be my five year anniversary this Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. Isn't it great to have that freedom to just be your own boss, do whatever you want and like audition for things and take gigs and just make your own schedule. It's incredible. It's just once you do it, it's I can't I don't even think that I could go back no. not to a traditional sense for sure. Like I'd love to make my own bigger company kind of thing that has to do with what I'm doing, but that's like down the road. But yeah, I mean once you you know how it is, like the money is so staggered that oh yeah. You chase that, but every night going to bed knowing that like you did you put in the day you wanted to put in like there's nothing like that yeah totally so you're in classes in chicago and you're creating your own content after you left red eye you start creating your own content or you're just still always creating your own content on the side I had a kind of a funny thing where I was working full time at Red Eye, but I had kind of like a full side business of making social media videos for some pretty big brands. So my best friend was the social media manager for the Chicago White Sox. So she nice. she literally got me like a video gigs with them in front of the camera and behind the camera. Oh, that's so awesome. I was like doing White Sox gigs. I was the social media manager essentially for Firehouse Subs. Um, oh, yeah, is, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, really big in the Southeast. I met those folks when I lived in Florida, but kept in touch with them and their social media managers like from Chicago, huge White Sox fans, so, like was always really close with him. So I was kind of making these videos and doing very well. Like I basically was making two salaries at the same time so that when I went to take, you know, when I quit the Tribune, I had money and like already pretty much had income doing these side videos. That's great. So that was really nice. Do you feel like creating all of these videos made you a better performer, a better actor? I honestly think that my entire like stage persona and the confidence I have on stage came from being able to talk to a camera lens. Like a lot of people have that thing where they're really good at one or the other or neither kind of thing. Like right. I've been on sets with people who are great personalities on YouTube, like way more subscribers than I have and all that stuff. And you, like a crew of 10 people says like lights, camera, action, and they freeze up faster than you've ever seen in your life. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always had the like performing in front of people thing. I never really had to get there as far as my nerves and stuff. I don't know what it is. Like I've always just, I grew up performing and stuff. So that helped, but. Right. Baby in a box. So. Yeah, exactly. Never forget baby in a box. Never forget. But I do think it does help. It helped me a lot with understanding like little things like facial cues. And like, I started to really understand like the tiniest of little alterations with your eyebrow and like the placement of your hand on a hip, like in a scene, I kind of like started to really become obsessed with the little things that would get laughs and scenes. So I think a lot of that came from self-taping and like watching myself on camera so much that I could kind of control it. 
it, it's like everything is magnified on the camera. Just mm-hmm. like you move one eyebrow and it's like, it's it means so much, you know? Exactly. So you really have to, especially coming from improv or theater, you really have to learn the technique of being an on-camera actor. Yeah. And I think creating your own content or putting yourself on tape for practice is one of the best ways to do it. You learn so much just by putting yourself on tape and then watching it back. You're dead on. Like, And you're somebody who... I know I can like confide in with that stuff because you've done so much of it and you've self-taped so many times and you've seen your scenes on a giant television screen, like watching (laughs) Chicago PD. Like it's incredible to me that like you can instantly have feedback for something you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, right away when you play that back, you're like, that's not the take or that is the take, you know? Right. And like, I will, you know, I'll be watching like an episode of Mad and um, I'll be like, oh, I thought I was doing more there I guess I wasn't doing enough and then the next time I'll like try to do more and it'll I'm like oh that's a little too much like I'm constantly watching myself to fine-tune that I know some people don't watch their performances but I I, it is hard because you're like nitpicking and you're your worst critic but I learned so much about how to be a better actor number one from watching my co-stars work because they're amazing but number two yeah watching myself and being like oh i was trying to do that there and it obviously didn't work yeah um or maybe it did because that's the take they chose i don't know (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point that's got to be so interesting for you too of the fact that you in real time find out with probably with everybody else like what take they used and you know yeah you did yeah and I'm like, so, oh, sometimes I'm like, oh, you chose that take? Really? Yeah. Like, I flubbed on that line. Like, but maybe it makes me sound more real. I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, it's fascinating. Totally. Number six with cheese is so much fun. You, So I know Sean through my friend Corey, who did improv with my husband, Scott. And then you did improv with Corey. And then you started creating this show, Number Six with Cheese, where, like, Sean, I never really... I didn't really eat fast food at the time I discovered this show, but every time I watch an episode, so Sean and Corey just sit in their car and they eat fast food products and they review them and they're comedians. So it's really fun and funny. Um, but every time you do a video, I'm like, well, now I need to go to Wendy's and get a chicken sandwich. Like, <laughs> I know Wendy's <laughs> needs to give us an affiliate code or something. They really do. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've eaten so much more fast food since you're watching your show, but I love when you text me and you're like, I had to go, me and Scott wouldn't get that pizza. I'm so mad at you, but it was so good or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm like, wait, what was that pizza? I'm downtown. What was that pizza place you yeah. went to? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I love that. I have the in with you guys. Oh, anytime, of course. <laughs> How did that happen and like when did you notice that that was a thing that would blow up like it did it's so crazy like i auditioned for the conservatory at second city which for those of you who don't know that's kind of like the kind of like the big thing to audition for once you have all the criteria you know you've went through levels one through a through e and you took an acting class or whatever so then you can audition for like the thing that could potentially if you graduate the program, then you can audition for like to get on a cruise ship or to, you know, to be an understudy. So that's like a big deal to get into that program. Like yeah, it's hundreds a huge and deal. hundreds of people audition every couple months and they only take like 30, you know, so. I auditioned once, did not get in, but then, then I back. never tried again. Yeah, yeah. So that's how most people are because you're <laughs> yeah. kind of like, you feel defeated by it or you, you start doing other things. There's a million different right. things. Right. I have in so many things do. that are more important than improv to me. Exactly. And, but when you're in the moment and you're taking A through E, you're like, yes, I want to be in the conservatory and yes i want to be a second city ensemble member and like you're just like totally sucked into that you drink the kool-aid yeah totally yeah because i went and saw you know chelsea devantes and um 
uh, who's my other God, there's like that whole crew, the main stage crew. When I moved to Chicago, I was so obsessed with, I was like, this is better than SNL. Like this yeah. is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, they're um, so good. Yeah. So, you know, I went and saw a show when I was in my early twenties and was like, that's what I want to do. And so I met Corey, my very first day of conservatory. Um, I had been doing, you know, shows in Chicago for a little while. Cause I wanted, when I first moved here, I wanted to like, you know, do level six shows. And I wanted to like do a bunch of, you know, second city ensemble stuff with just straight short form improv. I wanted to do all of that before I kind of got into the, like, let's build a sketch show. Let's try to make mm-hmm. this a career. So I met Corey the very first day. And like, for those of you who don't know who Corey Wagner is, he's like the biggest goofball like doesn't look like he should be in an improv class like he's just like funny and like in a scene specifically he's just funny because he really like has a very expressive face right so he had a job where he was like done every day at I think like one o'clock in the afternoon so he at one point was like hey I I know you you make videos do you ever want to make videos together? And I was like, I would love to. So he came over to my apartment one time and was like, hey, I have this audition for this MTV reality show called Dire Consequences. And it needs to be two best friends who like play rock, paper, scissors or whatever. And they have really horrible consequences for very mundane things. So like, I think the thing we made for MTV was like, the loser had to blend a ham sandwich and drink it. So oh, really gross. gross. MTV loves that humor. Wait, so, I think I saw that. Yeah, we have it on my YouTube yeah. channel. So we did <laughs> it. We like submitted and never heard anything. But that was pretty much like love at first sight as far as video goes. Like we had so much fun making that video. You have really great chemistry together. It seems like you've been best friends forever. It's so good to hear that because like we had literally not hung out pretty much before that. And we made that video and then we just started making videos together. Like we made a video. Remember when, um, what was that Pokemon game that was really popular on the cell phone? Oh, Pokemon Go? Pokemon Go. Yeah. So that was really popular. And we made a sketch video called Pokemon Dad, where Corey was trying to find his dad using (laughs) this app. And and it was was so funny and so fun. And we submitted it to stuff. And, like, people just thought it was great. We cast some of our friends from Second City to be the, like, you know, the other characters and stuff. And we just had so much fun doing that. And then I said to him, I was like, there's these people online that review fast food and do food videos. And they have so many views, but the content is like average. It's not funny. It's too oh, yeah. long. There's no editing. It's shot on a cell phone. Most of them are horrible. Yeah. And I love people going out and filming something because I know how hard it is to do that and to put yourself out there because it's like yeah. YouTube is just a very negative place first and foremost because of the, as you probably know, the commenting feature is just ruthless. Like, Oh yeah. The trolls you put yourself are the worst. out there. You better have thick skin. So <laughs> I said to Corey, I was like, let's go film a food review. I want to try this out because I think it's just a funny platform for us to be goofy. So yeah, just one day it was like July in 2016 and we, we drove his fiance at the time's car. He's like, asked her, he's like, can I borrow the car? And she's like, why? We don't drive. It's Chicago. It just sits in a garage. <laughs> I was like, well, Sean wants to do this like video, so whatever. We went to Burger King. We reviewed Mac and Cheetos. Right. Put, put the video out. And like, it was odd how quickly people were like, you need to do a lot of this. And you need to like, just keep making these videos. This is so funny. It just really resonated with people. Yeah, which is so weird. Because like, we didn't really eat fast food. It was it You was didn't? Just, like, not, I mean, because in Chicago, I was like, you know, I was like a oh, poor Chicago so many- creator. I was like, you know, of course, just 
making food because um, my girlfriend's a really good cook. And then also I was like going to nice Chicago restaurants if I was spending money. I wasn't going to go yeah. get Taco Bell. You know, as much as I love Taco Bell, I wasn't trying to eat right. it every day. Scott and I talk about how you guys are so fit and yet it seems like you eat fast food every day for every meal. I know. We do film, like I've told you, like a lot in one day. So yeah. there's then five days we don't eat like that. So your body kind of forgives you a little more. But uh, it's yeah, a, lot of, a yeah. lot of a lot of working out and I always say working out and crying. A lot of the fat burns <laughs> off from the tears falling out of my eyes. Um, no, but now, yeah, now we're doing five a week. You know, we started with just one a week and um, it just kept getting more and more popular. Within the first three months, I, don't, I think I told you this, within the first three months of doing the show, we got a holding deal for a TV show. Oh my God. And that was like, oh, okay, this is actually something that producers think is funny. Then, yeah. Okay, we better keep going with it. Can you tell the audience what that means? So basically what a holding agreement is for a TV show is like an agency pretty much like black and white contract locks you in for, let's say, like a year or two, and they're going to pitch you to all their clients and contacts and stuff over the course of whatever the contract is for a television show. And so their TV show they wanted to do with us was called like Hot Trash or Hot Garbage or something like that. They liked that we were like normal dudes eating crappy foods. Yeah. And they wanted to like create a television show that was us traveling the country eating it like it's basically diners and drive-ins and dives, but if it was a comedy and it was like even worse stuff it was like you know a barbecue joint out of the back of a like dumpster or whatever oh my like, god stuff like that and so they pitched that for a while and i guess food shows are the most competitive thing right now in television oh it would be my dream job to have yeah, a food to, show just to get like make money and just go around and host and just eat like and, travel and the world chefs. and eat yeah. delicious food yes exactly so it's kind of fizzled out since then you know we had like a couple other companies reach out of wanting to do it and we had to pick one agency or the other it was kind of nuts but wow um, we're just doing so much stuff right now that's like working well for us that i didn't want that to be like the thing we were so concerned about was like yeah. getting a television show which who knows if that would have ever stuck you know that's i can so easily see yeah. something where like we do eight episodes and then we never see it again and it's like just a cool experience i'd love to get something where we really feel passionate about what we're making yeah so i mean it's a really cool thing though i would watch that tv show though just saying i you would better. totally You're watch my you friend. you have to watch my show <laughs> <laughs> you, we weren't friends when i started watching you on that's true. That's true. Uh, on youtube that's true. but <laughs> really, I really real gen, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember you and Corey reaching out to me when you got approached from a company to do oh, a, com yeah. a SAG after a commercial, and you had some questions about that. What was that like? Yeah, that was wild, because you were, like, the only, like, legitimate actor we knew. We were like, who do we have look like? What? what? So, yeah, Corey reached out to you. But yeah, uh, Checkers and Rallies had their, like, third party, you know, whatever, their recruiter kind of reach out to us and say... Hey, we think you guys are really funny. We want to do a Checkers and Rallies commercial with you guys in it. And, you know, here's all the protocol and all the stuff, blah, blah, blah. And so we were just like so overwhelmed with that contract and, and everything. And like, you know, the things that like they're only going to pay you a guaranteed rate. And right away we were like, that seems like they're not going to pay us as much as we should be making. We didn't have an agent at the time, you know, right. so we, were, we were just like hoping for the best and, you know, kind of signed it early on without really bringing it to a lawyer and all that stuff. And it ended up all working out really well. But yeah, because they keep using you, right? Yeah, for like the last couple of years, we've certainly done, we've done a couple national commercials with them. Like, so we flew to Miami and did the whole thing. It was amazing. We filmed one in Chicago. And then I've done a lot of voiceover work for them. Corey's done a couple 
commercials for them voiceover too. So like they had continued using us for a long time. So that really, I mean, shout out to, you know, that whole agency like Fitzco and then all the checkers and rallies people, like they were so nice and like, they loved what we were doing and it really allowed me to learn all about SAG-AFTRA and residuals and like what to look out for. And well, I think the fact that you didn't have an agent or a lawyer and you didn't get screwed over, like that's because it was a union contract and they're made so that you don't get screwed over. Yeah. It's fantastic. And like, because of all that stuff, you know, we ended up getting an agent and, you know, when other contracts started coming through, we, our agent would fight for us to get a little more because the stuff we were doing was working and it was just nice. It finally started to feel like people were on our side, you know? Yeah. So did you go out and search for an agent? Did an agent come to you? So one of my good friends, um, fellow comedian, he was, I think, approached by Stuart Talent at some point and um, he kind of like introduced us. It was kind of like an indirect, like, Hey, these guys are doing this stuff online. It's really cool. So we were kind of approached from them because they want to get into like the influencer space, you know, and yeah. agencies right now are trying to figure out how to monetize that. So agents can make their cut and all that stuff. So they were really excited about kind of using us for things like that and hosting capabilities. You know, like you said, Corey and I play off each other and do a lot of like straight man, funny man, and most of the stuff we do and pretty much just like flip the character whenever we want to. And so they they wanted to hone in on that, which has been really cool. And then because of that, I was just like, hey, I'd like to do, you know, I have all this voiceover stuff I've been doing for Checkers and Rallies. I'd love to, you know, start auditioning for other brands too. And they've been great about that. Yeah. So do you feel like most of your stuff comes from Stuart Talent now, your agency, or does some of it come from Stuart and some of it come from people watching your show? How does that work out? Yeah, I think it's probably 50-50. I think it's, you know, a lot of producers and different random people will reach out and brands wanting to do stuff with us. And it's really nice because then it's just us with our manager, who's a close friend of ours, like helping with that stuff. And then Stuart brings me audition for a cell phone commercial and things like that. So I really love the way that I can kind of span the entire spectrum now where I'm not just doing YouTube. I'm not just doing acting. I think I'm in a sweet spot right now where they all complement each other. You have to diversify, I think, in Chicago to make money as an actor. You have to be able to do multiple things. Yeah. So what do you recommend for people like me who think that they're not a cinematographer, they're not an audio person or a lighting person or, you know, they like have no technical know-how? What do you say to us about creating our own content? I think that's kind of the question I hear a lot is like people start talking about the gear and the cinematography part of it when it's because cell phones are so insanely amazing now. And like I literally use I've I've used cell phone footage as B-roll in stuff that like commercial agencies have bought from me and have no idea of cell phone footage. (laughs) So cell phones are really good. It's incredible. Good camera. Like accent it with like a DSLR camera. You really can't tell the difference if you do it in the right way. So I don't know I, what that means. So like the camera <laughs> I use for number six for cheese is like a, is a SLR camera. What's it's honestly not even that expensive. They're like five, 600 bucks. Is it a lens you put on your phone? No, it's like, it's a Canon just like regular. Oh. Like when you see people like just taking photos with like bigger cameras, like you could get one for like a honeymoon or like a, a vacation. You just mean some shots are from that and yes. some shots are so from you your can, camera. You can Got blend it. them where you're kind of like, I wouldn't use a cell phone shot for like a close-up shot because the lens on a DSLR camera is going to really make the like you know, the rind of a lemon really look good where a cell phone won't, you know? But anyway, so like I tell people, if you're going to create something right now in this landscape where there's so much, it's so saturated, it's so hard to like scrape that money because like the big agencies want to work with bigger creators it's more about the niche. It's about the thing you're making rather than how it looks. 
like the mm. reason that I reached out to Corey about doing a food review show was because I saw that there was already an audience, but we were going to bring in a whole fresh take on it. It was going to yeah. look like a TV show and it was going to be every single day at 9am, there's going to be a new episode. So like the two, the answer to your question is find a niche, find a thing that either there's people there or people are at, would ask for it. And then also make sure you're consistent with your content. Make sure you're having something come out. If it's weekly, fine. Make sure it's 9 a.m. on Monday, every single Monday. Not 901, mm. not 902, 9 o'clock. Like, I'm horrible th- at that. It's so hard, but that's why like scheduling podcasts and scheduling YouTube videos and yeah. scheduling tweets. Like I will write, you know, 15 tweets that promote stuff I'm doing that go live throughout the week. And if I sit down and do it on Sunday, that is literally promotion for myself for the entire week that I did in a 30 minute span one day. You okay. I, mean? I need you to coach me on that. I can certainly do that. So I tell people like, consistency and finding the niche are the two things. It's not about how it looks because nowadays stuff is going to look good enough. Like it's just right. it's having people want the concept of what you're doing. That's awesome. And thank God I have a producer on this podcast who is going to be doing that for me. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, Mike's the man, dude. He's doing yeah. it all. <laughs> yeah, yes, he's great. This, I, I would never do this alone. <laughs> I know. This is like very like well set up too. Like you're you're killing it. This is very cool. Thank this you. This is where you say that I'm your inspiration. Yeah, you are true. my inspiration. My, Mike, you're Mike. my inspiration too. <laughs> I, I, Sean, I feel that about you. <laughs> thank so, you so much. It's funny. You met Corey at... Second City, and you collaborated with him. I met Mike at South by Southwest last year, Ooh, okay. um, just like at a bar eating pizza next to him. And we've followed each other on Instagram, and he posted something about a podcast. And I was like, I want to do a podcast. And he's like, I can help you with that. So, like, I think finding someone who has uh, the skills that you lack to collaborate with. Like maybe Corey didn't have the skills of making videos, but he found you um, and you benefit from that because you have great chemistry with him and can create amazing content with him. Yeah. Like, do you agree that collaborating is the way to go? That's why ensemble based comedy and content is my favorite thing. Like I, you know, did stand up for years and love it, but there's, there's just something about ensemble based things to me that like drive it's the relationships a relationship with somebody on camera if you can see that you're way more invested and so Corey and i just accent each other very very well on camera and he's very business-minded and like does our taxes and takes care of all like the back-end stuff too so there's a lot of things that like we're each doing that is great because we're like the expert in that thing you know what I mean? And like yeah, Corey, yeah. Corey having like Corey had a YouTube channel back in the day with, with like his friends and he was making videos in the military. So he was like also had that passion where he had it ingrained in him that he wanted to create something. So it was like That's there was great. nothing going to stop us from making constantly. You know what I mean? Like, he But you have never... such complementary skill sets that you help each other out. We love calling it the Venn diagram of awesome. It's like we're <laughs> obsessed that. with Venn diagrams. We want to put them all over our branding because we think they're the best thing. <laughs> um, but like, they we, are the best. I think that like there's a huge overlap for me and him. But like, the, like you said, the things on the outside of that, like that are just mine and just his, like it's so nice that we have that stuff because then we just kind of like hands clean, like let me give this stuff to Corey. I know he's going to do a great job with it. You know, totally. the same for me, I hope. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you're a master at editing. I don't know if Corey is too, but you're like, dude, did you know he's been editing half the stuff now? So like when we first started and he was working full time, you know, I was like editing everything. And then for the past like year and a half plus, we've been splitting it all and no one said anything like, no, you can't tell different. Right. So it's been great. 
I made that video when my husband and I got takeout oh, at yeah. Alinea. I made that video and I tried to like channel my inner Sean as an editor and like yeah. <laughs> edit the way that you do. Well, it's, it's so funny. I need to like watch it because did you know that we have that video coming out Wednesday on our channel? I saw, okay, so so this will be this will be it'll have already been come out right for people yeah. listening to this. But we, yes. yeah, we reviewed Alinea, which is the number one restaurant in the country basically. And they're doing takeout they're during doing quarantine. $50 person takeout when normally it's $400 for like the top shelf, like per person in the restaurant. Yeah. So that's without Scott alcohol. That's without alcohol. That's just drinking water out of your tap. Yeah. Um, so you and Scott <laughs> did it. And then Corey and I did, it. I can't wait to talk to you more about it off. off I'm, camera, yeah. Off I'm mic. so excited to talk to you about it. And then I sent it to Corey because I heard my husband shouting out the window at someone. It happened yeah, to be Corey and Kylie walking by. And, um, he said, you guys were doing a linea. I was like, Oh my God, I have to send you the video we made. Yeah. I need to like, cause I think he sent me like part of, or he, Corey had showed me part of it cause we were like driving together. So I need to watch that. Oh, nice. oh my God. It's that's so fun. I'm so it, glad you guys it was, recorded it. Yeah. It was so much fun. So speaking of fun, what do you do for fun besides, I know work is fun to you, but do you take some time for your own self-care? You know, do you have close relationships outside of your work? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So obviously having a girlfriend and like, you know, Allie and I have been together forever since I moved to Chicago. So like, that's been fantastic of like having a partner in crime during all this. And she's, and she's like a legitimately good cook. So that helps where like, I love being in the kitchen, but she's like taught me so much of like how to actually boil water correctly. No, but way more more intricate than that. But so, so that's great. And we do so much stuff together and it's been easy to quarantine because like we just literally hang out and drink and make food all the time and play Mario Kart. Do you just drink constantly during quarantine? say yes but yeah <laughs> yeah just like I'm every to, night trying not to um, so we do that but then i'm really lucky where even outside of quarantine like my entire college friend group lives in chicago i don't know how it happened it was like nobody had planned on all being wow. together but it's quite literally besides for my friend colleen who was telling you about she was lives back in detroit all my friends from college are literally here so like when we get together on the weekends it's like eight of us it's so wow nice. that's I'm, great i'm very very fortunate to have them here so hanging out with friends hanging out with, with your girlfriend mm-hmm. do you do anything to take care of yourself mentally physically I mean, obviously talking about keeping the calories off because of the show, like I'm right. very like my, my girlfriend's a yoga teacher. So fitness is a very big part of my everyday and, you know, running outside during quarantine and then doing a lot of yoga and stuff in the apartment. So that's really helpful. And that's kind of how I take care of myself physically. And then honestly, mentally and stuff, like it's weird for me when I'm really locked into working like actually like editing something for myself. Cause in April I edited, I shot a video every single day on my personal vlog channel That's and, so and crazy. put it out like every single day. And I wanted to with, still doing everything else. was like, can I do this to hold myself accountable and to be creative during a time when a lot of people are just kind of like not being creative. They're just complaining about it. I wanted to be creative. To be fair, we are in a traumatic time and people who can't for sure. Do, you know, for like sure. give them some slack, Sean. Oh, I absolutely do. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of times I hear people just, I felt like the mentality was a lot of people just waiting this out. Yeah. So I made a lot of videos about adapting to the time and just That's pretend, great. pretend like this is the new normal and how are you going to still be happy and create and make money doing what you love? So like, I that's love that. kind of what the vlog channel, so that stuff like that is very therapeutic for me. I, I, I want to go watch those now. Yeah. Cause like, you know, a lot of what I do is comedy. This was like my life. This was me talking to the camera as like a very real person and just my mental state during everything. And so yeah. I think it's kind of, you know, being 
very open book to the internet is a tough thing to do, but for some oh, reason, but people like, love that. People love yeah, vulner- vulnerability and mm-hmm. getting to know you personally. Like they want that. Yeah, I totally agree. So where can people find that? Where can people find Number Six with Cheese? We're going to have everything in the show notes, but go ahead and plug yourself. So Number Six with Cheese uh, on YouTube. It's literally just youtube.com forward slash Number Six with Cheese all written out. Uh, my personal vlog channel that I've been posting stuff. So my like avatar kind of like online persona like channel I had for a long time was called the Social Media Pessimist because I used to make videos about people that did dumb things on social media that I didn't agree with. So I'd make like satire rants about it. So I still do all my personal stuff at Social Media Pessimist. So you can check that out. And then, yeah, I'm I'm the Sean Wow on Twitter and Instagram. So I'm pretty active and always chatting with people. So I kind of like the Sham Wow back in the day. I just made my Twitter handle the Sean Wow. And it's just really <laughs> stuck. So, so yes. I never realized that was the inspiration for mm-hmm. that handle. Yeah. Yeah. I did a video for like that I wear your shirt job when I got that job where I pretended to be like a human size, like ShamWow. And I was the Sean Wow. Like I was, I made an infomercial, like a fake infomercial. So I just kind of kept it from that part of it. Is that still out there? Oh yeah. That's on the social media pessimist channel. Okay. We'll have to go search for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, One more question before you leave. What do you love about content creation? I love that you instantly get feedback. I know that a lot of people, you know, are scared of that, but I think that if you're making good, honest, genuine work, people will receive it with open arms and give you feedback, you know, whether you like it or not. It's the worst thing when you make something and it's just radio silence and, you know, yeah. nobody sees it and you and you want that feedback. I've always loved that about YouTube and Instagram of if I'm really passionate about something I'm making, like I cooked a really awesome dinner that I want to take like professional photos of and put out there. I love the fact that I can sit and talk with people who are also in that world. You know, I've, I've really filtered the online world to be only people that are positive. You know, it's so easy to hide people that are just trolls. And so I I I always urge people to not be afraid to just like rid those people out of your life and and create little inner circles online of people that kind of have your back. So that's that's online and offline. I think that's really important. Absolutely. Like trim the fat of bad people all across the board. Totally. Bye bad people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been really fun to talk to you. And like I said, you're just really inspiring and you just create so much content that it's just like insane. And I love it. It's so fun. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited about this podcast going forward. I can't wait to listen to all of them. And you're just such a good host. I was so excited for this. So seriously, thank you for asking me to do this. Thank you. That means a lot. I'll see you later. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye, Mike. I know you're there. (laughs) Unmute yourself, Mike. It's all right. He's just talking about how much he loves us. Yeah. And um, mac and cheese bites. Of course. Oh, my God. They're so good. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as you said that, my ears perked up like a lemming and like that gif, you know, like, oh, mac and cheese bites. They're delicious. You should can, go watch that can review. I, can I get back and forth from Burger King before they're done talking? That was my <laughs> good point. Good point. No, we need you. I know. <laughs> like, Mike, are you there? It's just like my headphones dangling from the microphone. <laughs> so good. Huge thanks to Shawnee Lee for number one, being on The Whole Artist, and number two, for having me on The Unemployables. Corey and Sean and Zacco really do their research and are just fun guys to hang out with for an hour. Definitely check it out and shoot us a message and let us know you're listening. 
As always, I'd like to thank Jamie and Eric at Blythe Martin Productions for the theme music, Joe Mazza at Brave Lux for my amazing photo and my logo, and Mike Caputo at Pod Clubhouse for producing this podcast. The whole artist with Courtney Rue is produced under the SAG After New Media contract. Thanks, SAG After for your support. Vote yes. I hope you've been inspired. I hope you learned something. I hope you get out there and create something just for the sake of creating. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you next week. with Courtney Rue. The Whole Artist with Courtney Rue is a Pod Clubhouse original production. Produced, engineered, and edited at Pod Clubhouse Studios. Follow us online at podclubhouse.com.